Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome to Still Watching. I'm Vanity Fair senior writer Joanna Robinson. And I'm Vanity Fair chief critic Richard Lawson. If you're just joining us for the first time, what we like to do on this show is we pick a show that we're watching, we watch it closely week to week, and then we break it down. Sometimes we have interviews with the folks who were involved in making the show. Right now we are we are juggling two balls in the air. We are wrapping up Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Those episodes go up on Fridays, and we are starting Mayor of Easttown. So this is episode one of Still Watching Mayor of Easttown, HBO's new limited series uh, detective drama <clears throat> starring Kate Winslet. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to dive into another Who Done It with You, Richard. She's not the Mayor of Easttown. She is a Mayor of Easttown. M A R E. In case people Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> I was like really trying to pronounce it smoothly uh, i mayor. saw a funny tweet that was just mayor of winningham <laughs> <laughs> mr mayor <laughs> yeah. um yeah it's uh here we here we go uh on another whodunit yeah we've done exciting. a few of these uh we've seen some episodes you know in the series but we have not seen the ending so we and it's not based on a book so we genuinely don't know who done it do we richard no, we don't. And I, I, I'm very proud of myself. I did watch a few episodes because we were trying to decide if it was worth um, or it was a good fit for covering on this show. So I did watch a little bit ahead, but I stopped myself. There are screeners available to me that I have not watched, um, which, you know, it takes incredible restraint. I should probably win awards for that. <laughs> um, I think you should at least get a cake, if not several statuettes. So I'm very proud of you. Um, if you've never done a whodunit show with us before, we've done a couple. Um, we love your theories. We love to guess. Uh, in the past, it's been a little tricky for me because I usually know 
who done it because I've either seen all the screeners or read the book, but this time I'm with you. I'm with all of you. This episode starts um, with an introduction of the character of Mare, played by Kate Winslet. So let's just let's just start at the beginning and the mood that's established here and the character of Mare who will be following Richard. I think a lot of people are really seeing Kate Winslet's portrayal of Mare as the thing to get truly excited for in this season. Yeah. So what do you think of this character and Kate's uh, decision to go for this part? Well, I think that something that's so interesting about this show, the Kate Winslet factor is obviously the big draw, but it's also not based on anything. It is just something that the writer Brad Inglesby wrote. Um, and so I think that doing something that is not, you know, sort of IP the way the undoing was, people had read that book, you know, Right. Um, you really have to rely that much more on the star. Um, you know, and Winslet has worked with HBO before quite fruitfully with, um, the Todd Haynes adaptation of, oh my God, what's the title? Mildred, Mildred Pierce, Pierce. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know what Kate Winslet's box office numbers are, Q score is, but, you know, she's a big star, an award winning star. Um, and seeing her in this mode of playing, a small town or small city detective in America, in a particular region of America with its own, you know, accent and dialect and, and, and things like in history. I mean, not, not that all regions don't, but like, uh, is, is an interesting challenge for her. It's an interesting new opportunity for viewers. Um, and I think based on this first episode, it does sort of meet that brief. I mean, it's both a really interesting Kate Winslet performance, maybe a dubious accent note here and there, um, while also doing more than I expected, which is this kind of kind of slice of life of her family and to some extent of the town. So it's offering a lot in the pilot episode that hopefully disparate audience members can grab onto, if not the winds a little bit all. I think most people who have spent time with like British detective series are are fairly familiar with what we're seeing here, which is a sort of broad church um, or maybe more specifically Happy Valley-esque uh, setup. But it's not really the kind of thing that I can think of that we've seen in American television before. Do you think that's accurate? Richard? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's thus far, I mean, the, the ending of this episode in particular, it it's more sad and weary than it is sensational or um or thrilling it's not a thriller right now it's just a kind of like look at you know a faded town and some people who are struggling to get by very, very, both emotionally financially um yeah and i think that you know when, when i first watched this episode a couple of weeks ago happy valley really was what stuck out yeah. th- as the best analog for it and if people haven't seen that show it's a great two season british show starring Sarah Lancashire um, as a small town. It's incredible. It's, yeah. I think Sarah Lancashire's performance in that on that show is one of the most, one of the best TV performances I've ever seen. I mean, she's so, Completely. so good on that show in this very subtle, nuanced way. Um, and I think that, you know, this show is going for something similar. Um, maybe it's just the remove of not living in the UK. And so I don't notice little details that kind of clang a little bit. But Happy Valley feels a little more lived in and authentic, I guess, than this show does thus far. Though maybe again, I'm just listening to Kate Winslet's accent. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that British television, I think is quite, I guess the closest we have to it is something like 
Murder, She Wrote, where, like, you know, there was Cabot Cove, this one location, and all the stuff that's going on there. This idea that British mystery series are often set in sort of farther-flung locations in the UK. Um, one that I got into really recently was called Shetland. Um, but you get you get the sense of the town as much as you do anything else. And I think that's done really well here. The town of it all, because uh, Brad Inglesby has his bona fides, like he's from Pennsylvania, and he also did sort of a similar lived-in-town basketball-centered story with Ben Affleck in The Way Back um, that came out last year. Um, so I think he is really interested in like digging into these places and all these various characters. Like, you meet a bunch of characters in this first episode, and you will continue to meet even more, I would say. And it might be hard to track, like, some of the mustachioed uh, white men who live in this town, but um, but all of them have their stories. It's one of those stories where, like, a murder happens, and it kicks up a lot of other dirt that's existent in the town. That's really what like that's what reminds me of Broadchurch, and then the central performance from Kate Winslet reminds me a lot of Sarah Lancashire in Happy Valley, and sort of this the situ- this, the family situation too. So like, and and those are just complementary uh, comparisons, honestly, because like those are fantastic shows, and I'd love to see an American version of it. Uh, is is what do you, yeah? Go ahead. Is Shetland about a Little Pony solving crimes? <laughs> it is wearing wearing a Shetland wool sweaters oh, at, at right. the same time. Just put it on yeah, my yeah. list. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, <laughs> I, I think that it's it's funny with the way back, which was a, a movie that got kind of got buried by COVID, um, and actually it's pretty decent um, for the most part. Um, Inglesby seems very particularly fixated on basketball stardom in youth <laughs> that has not, not, yeah. has not led to a fruitful adulthood. Um, so he's clearly working through something there. Um, I, 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 what I, what I'll be curious to see as this show goes on, and and obviously this pilot episode sets up this, you know, sort of mural of characters, and we're going to see how they kind of spin off in different directions and into each other and crisscross and all that. Um, is where a, a sort of broader political consciousness is going to come to bear, if at all, you know, because we have matters of violence against women and policing and. You know, lots of hot topics uh, of the moment and, you know, of all time, really, um, that it's unclear how deep it's going to go into that broader sort of sociology or if it's just going to focus on these characters. I mean, I think the big question mark is in this particular era with a huge reckoning about the way the policing is depicted on on screen Mm -hmm. is how our hero being a police officer is going to uh, be informed by that discourse or if it will be, I mean, maybe it won't be, I don't know. Um, but I think re- based on this episode, it does feel like the show is going a much more granular personal slice of life a- approach rather than something more, you know, David Simon esque. But I don't think the cops are being shown as like purely heroic. No, no. In this, you know, like I wouldn't call put this in the in the bucket of propaganda or anything like that. Like I think that, um, and and what I like about the character of Mare is that you see so many of her thorns, um, throughout the beginning of this episode, and then at the end they soften it a good deal. And then it just feels like a well-rounded person. Do you know what I mean? Like she comes in hard, and then like you see her 
put up a new flyer over the old torn down ones for the missing girl, Katie Bailey, or you see her with her grandson. You know what I mean? She, she has this tough, like, um, you know, why are you bothering me? I'm just doing my job sort of shell. And then you get to see some of the gooey center at the same time. I think it's a really good, perf- like accent aside, I think it's a really good performance from Winslet. So, um, and the accent isn't even, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's a really tricky accent to, to get right. I certainly couldn't having only spent brief periods of time in Pennsylvania. Um, but, you know, I think this is something similar to, I think, her, her, her performance in Ammonite, which was a movie from last fall that kind of came and went mm-hmm. and didn't make as much of an impact as maybe it had seemed likely to when it was first announced, where I don't love the movie surrounding Winslet's performance. Um, but I think she just is so undeniably good in this. I like the milieu of this show thus far more. Um, but again, she really is elevating everything around her. I mean, she has able help from people like Jean Smart and Guy Pierce, but um, she really that is the the main attraction here. And I, I'll be curious to see how much the sort of mystery of the show can weigh itself against her star power. I want to talk about uh, a couple of those folks you mentioned. So Jean Smart here plays her mother, the the sort of great grandmother of this family. So basically, we meet Kate Winslet's character, Mare. Her mother has moved in with them. Her daughter, played by Angori Rice, lives there. And she's, you know, she's about to go off to college, it seems like. And then her grandson is there. Um, And then, you know, from context clues, we find out that the father of that grandson, her son, Kevin, is has died. And we don't know how. But he's died and she's taking care of, of the grandson. So that's the family unit. And then in the backyard is her ex-husband and his new fiance in their own house. Um, so I lo- that was one of my favorite moments actually is, is when we, we get Mayor's family going over to the house next door to go to this engagement party. And it's just so much like happiness and love and, and like, life and excitement and then you cut back to mary and you realize that she, you know she could hear all of that and she's alone in the house that was a moment that i really loved uh, in this episode yeah the family dynamic is set up so interestingly because it really doesn't tell you in in obvious exposition who how everyone is related and how, what the what the dyna- you know what the dynamic is, uh, it kind of just shows it to you and you have to put it together. Yeah. And I, I, I really like that kind of storytelling. I prefer that to like characters saying things that they wouldn't say to each other because they would already know. Um, the show, I think lets that shorthand exist and tells us what's going on in more thoughtful, creative ways. Um, but it's an, yeah, it's an interesting um, look at, you know, a sort of not fractured family, but kind of, blending family uh about you know a divorce happening in a small town where your families are kind of interlocked like you can't really get away from that i mean you could i guess but it would be pretty hard uh and there's obviously a vested interest not to because she has a grandson um yeah and i love all that slice of life stuff i really didn't think that this show was going to be that i thought it was going to be a hard-nosed you know true detective-esque murder mystery set in an interesting place um it is a murder mystery set in an interesting place, um, I think, but um, it's also much more about character study. I want to call out Jean Smart, who has just been doing incredible work 
um, over the past few years. I think it's st- like the revival of Jean Smart, who um, you know was in one of my favorite shows of all time, Designing Women in the 80s and 90s, um, uh, which I think kind of kicked off with her appearance in a season of Fargo. And then Noah Hawley used her again in Legion. And then Damon Lindelof, who was like for a while in conversation with Noah Hawley, almost in their in the people that they used in their projects, borrowed her over for Watchmen. Um, and then here she is in this role. And I think she's just crushing it in all of those uh, shows. And this is a particularly, um, I mean, I guess, I guess the thing that we want to sort of like, maybe it's, it's odd to praise women for this because men do it all the time, but it, you know, it's just, there's no vanity in these performances, right? Like Kate Winslet is like shoving breakfast sandwiches in her face and like uh, for half the episode sort of limping awkwardly around and her hair is grown out. And like, you know, Jean Smart is just sort of like, you know, looks like everyone's grandma, honestly, uh, in this. And it's just, um, you know, they're still both very attractive women, obviously, but it's like, it's so, fun to see opportunities for women get to do these things that men have been doing for so long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it almost not with the Jean smart character necessarily, but with mare herself, you could almost wonder cynically, was this originally written for a man and they just kind of redid it because Kate Winslet was interested. I don't know if that's the case. I kind of doubt it given the specific texture of how the, 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 the characters relate to one another, but yeah, it is much, much rarer to see this kind of, you know, borderline Manchester by the sea meets gritty cop thing uh, with women at the center. It's, it's pretty rare uh, and, and welcome. And I think, you know, Winslet and smart are, are more than up to the task. I also think that um, Kaylee Spanny, who plays um, Aaron, uh, the eventual murder victim um, is so good and, brings you know if we're only going to spend an episode with this character before she's killed i think we really do feel like we know her which is also something different where a lot of these shows these movies tend to start with a dead body and who they are is either revealed in investigate investigative detail or just never really bothered to cover and i and i and i think that that locating us with her having her pretty immediately earn our sympathy and then have the murder happen, I think just gives everything that much more texture. And like I said, it, that, that sadness that hangs over this show, um, it's pretty enveloping. I mean, it's bleak, but, um, it's, it feels different in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I, it's no secret that like shows have been chasing the whole like Laura Palmer of Twin Peaks of it all, um, a dead girl found, um, and, Different shows have chased it in different ways, you know, like the killing, I think, most obviously. But this idea of like, I kind of thought I was done with shows that started with like a a dead teenage girl. Um, It just it felt like a story that we've seen so many times. But I think there is something different going on here in terms of meeting her and who this girl is. I think usually the Laura Palmer types are like, you know, the like the wild child. And like, yes, this girl is like a teen mom. And yes, there is some like drama in her life. But like... She's not, I'm not, I'm not saying she needs, they, they need, there's like, I'm not saying the victim needs to be one way or another. I just think that this girl is, is one that we haven't quite met yet in this, in this role, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a bit about Guy Pierce. Uh, so guys, Guy Pierce shows up as this, um, an author named Richard who wrote a book once and, um, 
as a as a sort of a potential love interest for for Kate Winslet's character. They at least hook up in this first episode. Um, when we were talking about uh, in in a meeting earlier this week, sort of or last week, I think about like who people on our staff think did it. A lot of people identified Guy Pierce mostly because he's so famous, right? Like, why is this famous guy here? And I'm also like suspicious of older men who've just blown into town and stuff like that. Um, but I just want to note something for, for your own detective work at home. If you're listening, um, the role was originally just to go to Ben miles. Who's a great actor. Um, he was in the, the British show coupling and also on the crown, like the first season of the crown. Great actor. I've seen him in stage productions, love him, but he's not like a famous like Guy Pierce is 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 a much more famous name and face, and so I think maybe we shouldn't make assumptions based on Guy Pierce's level of fame. Does that make any sense to you, Richard? Yeah, yeah. As a factor, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fame thing is big. Um, I mean, there are 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 there there are details in this episode that would sort of exonerate him, though, aren't there? Kind of because it seems like he was with her the whole right. time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, we don't know time of death yet, right? Um, right, and stuff like that. But yeah, but it does seem like Guy Pierce's presence there is kind of almost meant as the bait and switch, like you said. Like I, I think, but I don't know. I, I think also something about the tone of the show thus far makes me think that they're maybe setting us up for a sort of like sigh of a reveal, you know, eventually. Like, oh, it, well, it's not. There's not some grand conspiracy or whatever it's just something sad and you know almost banal in its horror that happened you know um so i i I want to speculate with you and 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 people listening for sure because that's sort of the point but i i i think that you know you're right to point out that the guy pierce celebrity thing like that might be that might not be where the show's headed i guess yeah, it's sort of like it reminds me a little bit about the fact that like when Emma Caulfield showed up in WandaVision, we were like, well, certainly if Emma Caulfield is here, that means something big. And then it didn't really, um, right. except we got to spend time with Emma Caulfield. So yeah, so I, I would just like, when I read that Guy Pierce was originally not supposed to be in that role, and I almost wonder like, uh, timing wise, if Ben Miles drops out for whatever reason, and like... Kate Winslet's like, let's get the Mildred Pierce band back together, uh, and calls Guy Pierce, uh, who was her, they both won Emmys for their work in Mildred Pierce. Um, if, if, you know, it almost strikes me as like a, a favor a famous friend did. Not like it's a favor to be in an HBO TV series, but like, you know, that it was a personal call kind of thing. Right. It might have been. So, um, yeah. So just, just factor that in as, as you're thinking about it. I mean, I'm still, I'm still going to keep him on my suspect list, but, you know, I'm just thinking about things that way. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. 
Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. We should mention that, um, he, though he's not in this episode, this this series also stars Evan Peters, l- late of WandaVision and also every Ryan Murphy show ever, um, as uh, another detective. We haven't met him yet, but he will be uh, a significant part of the show. He's definitely been a significant part of the ad campaign, so that's not going to be a surprise. Um, though we can't talk about him too much because he hasn't shown up yet. Richard, what is the like? What is the idea that Evan Peters in the show? Like, how does that strike you? Well, I have to go through my paperwork because I can't remember if it's in my still watching contract that he be in every show we cover now, or if it's in the deal I have with HBO that they, st- oh, okay. you know, so I, it's, it's one of the, I'm, I'm responsible for it. I just don't know <laughs> from what end, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, thank you for your service, yeah, Richard. Yeah. I appreciate you. But I, I think it's interesting because he'll be playing kind of vaguely roughly his first like grown up role. I mean, I know he's done grown up stuff on American Horror Story. But there's always, I think, I mean, you know, I, it depends on how his character kind of develops in this show. But like, maybe he's just kind of rookie kind of thing the whole time. But um, I don't know. I'm happy to see him out of the Murphy verse and and in something, you know, as much as I liked him on Wandavision, in something that is grounded in the real. Um, I, I think that could be an interesting thing to see him do because we haven't gotten a lot of that. It feels like a fun a fun stretch for him. Um, yeah. Like I, I also like he's. Of the Ryan Murphy shows I've watched, he's usually a favorite part for me. Um, so I'm I'm a big Evan Peters fan, but I would like to see him stretch and grow. And this feels like uh, a good space that he could do that in. So, um, yeah. And I will say, like, if we're talking about sort of traditional gender roles, he does play like a younger, um, more like bright eyed, bushy tailed uh, detective. And it's that I think is traditionally the female role that like oftentimes in these detective shows, there's like a world weary, divorced, maybe alcoholic male detective and like uh paired with a young chipper female partner that, that I've seen a bunch of times. And so this is, this is a little flip on that script. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is no Pacino and Swank and insomnia. This is the opposite. <laughs> An ideal pairing Pacino and Swank. Um, there we go. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about in the, in this episode, Richard? Well, I think, you know, we should mention that every episode, I believe, is going to be directed by Craig Zobel, um, mm-hmm. who is an interesting director. He had a big, well, a small movie that broke out kind of big called Compliance a few years ago, um, sort of made a star of Anne Dowd after many years in the business, um, and then made a movie that was at Sundance and then got a very um, – small release called Z for Zachariah. That's a post-apocalyptic movie with Shuatel Ejiofor and Margot Robbie mm-hmm. um, and Chris Pine, I want to say. It was Pine, um, yes. And that's an interesting movie. And then he made The Hunt, which uh, was a comedy horror movie, kind of most dangerous game type thing with a Trump versus liberals bent that got moved because of some shooting shooting and then yeah. came out right before the pandemic. So that was a really, you know, the a sort of benighted. Movie. I, and I loved that movie. I know that like some people were mixed on it, but I actually genuinely loved the hunt. I think because I don't know, there was so much drama around its release. And then I think I had read some mixed reviews. So I was, I didn't go in expecting it to 
to enjoy it as much as I did. I just really liked it. It has a lot of energy to it. Um, so, and a lot of wit. So. Yeah. I mean, I will say between Betty Gilpin in that movie, who's great, um, mm-hmm. Dream of Walker and Anne Dowd in Compliance, Margot Robbie in See for Zachariah, Global's really good with actors, you know, and gets interesting, different performances. I keep saying interesting. God, I need to ban that word from my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> gets different performances out of actors who we've seen a lot from. And I guess in Robbie's case, she was pretty new, but um, I, I, I'm, I like so far what he's, he and Winslet are doing together and he and Gene smart are doing together. Um, and I'm curious to see how that works for Evan Peters, but you know, this is a good solid run of episodes for Craig Zobel after the hunts, uh, unfortunate half tour of uh, release. Yeah. Yeah. That was just that. That is one of the like, I don't know, a tr- a tragic Hollywood story. What happened to the hunt? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm really excited. I think we're gonna actually have Craig on the podcast next week, so um, I'm excited to talk to him about uh, you know, doing a whole whole season. I love this, uh, you know, ongoing trend of a director taking ownership of a whole season. And he was brought in a little late because I think uh, initially um, Brad Inglesby's director on The Way Back was supposed to direct this. And um, and then it switched over to Craig instead. And also there was a COVID interruption. Um, they, I think they were almost done and then COVID hit. And so the last two episodes haven't been sent out yet. I know they went back into production in like September, I think something like that. So I don't know if they're holding back the last episodes because they don't want us to know who done it or if they're like honestly still working on it. That could be, that could be the case. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, I'm excited to like be in this, in this grim little town where everyone knows each other. Um, I think it's really interesting to have this like female basketball team that, I mean, like, to your point about like, was this originally written for a man then flipped? I mean, there is just something so different feeling about this like team of, of, you know, women basketball stars in a town that won a championship once. Um, and you've got Julian Nicholson and, and like other folks on that team and they're all key players in this story. And I just, I think that that's a really fun, uh, premise that we're working with. Yeah. Uh, we are always happy to see Julian Nicholson uh, show up in anything. So uh, here she is back again, being a supporter, seemingly like Mare's best friend, and certainly like the person who's nicer to her than her own family seems to be. And and maybe Mare has earned that from her family. But like, when it comes to someone who has her back, it seems like, it, you know, it's some of the women on this team rather than the folks living in her own home, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, should we do we want to talk about Ngori Rice at all? Um, in this role as, as Siobhan, the daughter who's a singer, uh, and is in a relationship with a girl, and also has to bring up her, you know, nephew kind of at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess I had a question about that kiss when she greets the girl at, at her, her dad's engagement party. Mm-hmm. Is that, I guess that was meant to imply a relationship? Yes, uh, and they wake up in bed together. Oh, and then, like, right. The, the course, right. montage at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, there is a slight concern I have about the show, given how wide its purview is in this first episode, is that they mm-hmm. m- might start throwing a lot in. That's not to say that, like, having a queer relationship in a TV show is, like, some unnecessary adornment. I don't mean that at all. But I just mean, like, okay, we're, we're, we now have a, we have a lot of plates spinning, and uh, already after just one episode and um 
the the exciting thing about the show would be if they all sort of start to inform one another somehow. The less than exciting thing would be if they kind of just exist to exist, you know. Um, and I don't necessarily mean just like the fact that her daughter is queer, more that um, I don't quite know yet how much we need to know about the daughter, you know, like unless she comes to bear kind of on the story. I guess we'll kind of find that out because she was there right before presumably right. this murder. She was there to intervene yeah. um, in the. I mean, just awful, like, uh, you know, the, the catfishing, the physical beatdown. Um, we've got, you know, so so we've got two girls, right? We've got Katie Bailey, who's been missing for a long time. And we've got um, Aaron McMenamin, who uh, we've, is found dead at the end of this episode. Um, and Aaron's, uh, you know, drama involves, uh, you know, a, a not great dad, it seems. Her baby her baby's father and his awful girlfriend. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's the, that's a stew stirring around there. I mean, let's just get to some predictions and I'll, I'll just, well, we can just go back and forth, but I gotta, I gotta call out Dylan early on because it's usually the boyfriend. It's often the boyfriend. So I'm, I'm not going to leave the obvious out just because it's the obvious. And I will say Dylan, the baby's father is my first suspect. Who do you have on your list, Richard? I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to risk, uh, being problematic, uh, and say that, I don't know, you put an actor of Julianne Nicholson's caliber in a show and don't really immediately kind of tell us why she's in the show. I'm, I don't know. I, 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 you know, like, did you ever see the killing the, the, the AMC show where after, I mean, spoiler alert, sorry guys. Uh, uh, it turned out that it was the sister the whole time by accident. You know, uh, I think that, I don't know, I'm wondering if maybe Julianne Nicholson, a great, great actor, um, is here for more than meets the eye. So that's, that's where I'm putting up a crazy bet. Okay. I love that. Um, I will also throw into the pool, um, father, Danny, Mayor's cousin Mm -hmm. comes over. Um, I'm, you know, always, I'm going to suspect the clergy if I can, if I have an opportunity to. So Father Danny is on, on my list. Played Anyone by the great uh, theater actor, Neil Huff. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, other theories. Uh, well, um, you have a f- at least one person in town who's mad at mayor because of how she's handled a different disappearance slash suspected mm-hmm. murder. I don't think that she, that her mom has anything to do with, um, this new death because it has nothing to do with mayor, but I'm wondering if there might be some sort of group of people that she's maybe part of who are trying to embarrass the police of this town or shame them kind of three billboard style. I mean, the woman in three billboards didn't kill anyone to prove a point, but, but you know, I don't know. I'm wondering that we know maybe of. there's some sort of <laughs> civic action gone wrong or something. Sort of like a hot fuzz, like small business owners, uh, association, um, conspiracy. Okay. Um, or it's someone from West town. You know, that rivalry is terrible. (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw Evan Peters on the list. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him yet. That doesn't mean he didn't do it. So Evan Peters, how about one more for you, Richard? Um, (laughs) let me see. I, okay. Fine. Jean Smart did it. Jean Smart did it. She had too and many cocktails. And came home to curl and, yeah. her bangs. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
That's why her legs uh, were, that's why she had restless leg syndrome at the end of the episode, because she had just gotten done with a murder. Her Only the latest in a string, I'm sure. Um, all right. So that's, those are, those are some of our guesses here. Um, please email us, stillwatchingpod at gmail.com if you have some guesses, uh, if you have any uh, feedback on, like, the accent doesn't sound too wild to me, but only because I don't really know what that accent, the, the best basis I have for that accent is like what Tina Fey does on SNL, which I presume is supposed to be like cartoonish on purpose. So I don't really know what that accent sounds like. So this is this is one of those things like when Kathy Bates showed up on one of the Ryan Murphy shows doing like a a main accent maybe or maybe she was doing this one i don't know she's doing something and everyone's like she sounds she's doing a baltimore i think everyone's like she sounds insane and then people from that town were like no she sounds exactly what we sound mm-hmm. like so um if you have any if you have any accent opinions we'd love to hear them any whodunit guesses any comments on kate winslet's uh roots in her hair etc we'd love to hear it still watching pod at gmail.com uh until the next episode richard where can folks find you i'm gonna be down at the wawa getting a sandwich isn't that something people do in pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> the Wawa. I love there was there was a rundown right of like where you go for a best hoagie, yeah. hoagie and where you go for a, a cheesesteak. Oh god, um, I want a cheesesteak. So, That's yeah. right. I'm gonna forget Wawa. I'm getting a cheesesteak. <laughs> uh, um, be? I'll be joining you in in cheesesteak dumb. Um, otherwise, you can find Richard on on Twitter at Rylaws, me on Twitter at, at Jarotis, or both of us on VF.com. Obviously, the Oscars are coming up, so that is where our head is uh, is currently focused, but uh, we'll be back here talking about Mayor of Easttown, Mayor of Winningham, uh, soon, next week. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com.